0: group feels a little quiet this morning, that's good, that's good. I know coming into church you don't uh, have to just rah, rah, rah and try to get as loud and energetic and all of that. You can, you can simply be, you can simply be. We, we really mean that from the heart and so we're all invited to, uh, to, j- to just be, and to, to, to be all of who we are coming into this space together. Uh, and so for some of us that means a lot of doubt. For some of us, it means a lot of confusion, and others of us, uh, it might mean a lot of excitement and and energy and joy, Uh, but the thing we all have in common is that we're here to really approach God together and have God minister to us. Uh, So today, I want to talk to you uh, about um, identity theft and basically protecting yourself from identity theft. And... um, What I'm getting after here is not so much uh, your visa that might be stolen, or uh, some kind of work permit, or your driver's license, or anything digitally that you may have ever gone through, or a stolen wallet or purse. Uh, The stakes are much, much higher uh, regarding a different kind of identity theft, and what what I'm getting after is your deepest part of your identity, the core of who you are as a person. Both the culture from without, both yourself from within, there's an attack on your identity. That's my proposition this morning. There is an attack on your identity. Um, and, And basically what I'm saying is that identity theft happens when we forget God's love. And we forget that we are children of this loving God. So it happens to you, it happens to me, and I can't tell you the number of times I've asked the question, Who am I? Have you ever asked that question of yourself? Be honest. Who am I? I remember even as a little kid growing up and being part of so many different social circles and so many different clubs, ones I'd started and ones I wanted to try out. And the thing about me as a kid and still remains is I just want all these clubs to join together, actually, and create one big one. Let me try to build bridges one from the other and have unity And yet the sad reality about identity theft is when some person, some government, some institution, some culture tries to influence you in such a way to make you think about yourself differently than that which is true. Um, And so, uh, who am I? This this is a question that uh, I, I think every human being has ever asked throughout history. And so some of those uh, identity markers for you and for me would be things like what I eat. What I eat. Have you ever thought about that? Like there's a lot of people that basically their identity is all about what they eat or where they eat. It's not that you eat ice cream. It's where do you get your ice cream? Um, Where I live. Oh, you're from the East Bay. Well, I live in the city. Uh, We get our identity from the music I listen to, the music I like. Oh, you listen to that? They're so old. Uh, The movies that I like, we get our identity from our sexual orientation, don't we? We get our identity from being Asian, from being black, from being whatever ethnicity that can be a source for us as like our deepest part of our identity. Uh, We get our identity from what we wear. Do you remember, years ago, the Members Only jacket? Some of you don't, this was back in the 80s. And so, um, the, the, the 80s, there was literally a jacket, it was pretty cool, I had one, that, 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 that was, the name of it, the brand was Members Only. I mean, like, how, how like, exclusive, you know, the, the little brand was, and, and the tagline for the brand, does anybody remember Members Only? Anyone? No one, okay. Some of y'all know about Members Only, and you're not wanting to say it, but um, yeah, they, I'm proud of it, too. Yeah. So the tagline for Members Only was, when you put it on, something happens. <laughs> That's all about identity. Are you, are you feeling me? Are you feeling that right there? Like, that is an identity statement. Branding, it's, it's all about shaping not only what you wear and how you look, but how you think about yourself. I'm a member of this club. So it's shaped by what we wear. Uh, We're also shaped, our identity is shaped, we refer to ourselves as an athlete, or I don't do athletics, I'm a nerd. I'm proud of it. Uh, What sports team you follow? I'm an extrovert, or no, I'm an introvert. I'm a thinker, or no, I'm a feeler. Um, Identity is shaped by trying to look happy or look mad. You're either a lover or a fighter, right? Um, A feminista, a scientist, an artist, a mother, a designer. The list goes on and on and on. And Paul, our writer here in the book of Galatians, and that's what we're looking at today in chapter 2, verses 16 through 21, is he's going to talk about the gospel of identity, basically the good news regarding your identity. And so let me read this passage for us, and we'll try to draw out some principles And we're trying to to focus on verse 20 today. There's a lot of meaty things in this passage, but we're really just going to focus on, on one verse. So let's read together. We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God By obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me, so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements. So that I might live for God. And here's our key verse for today. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Let's just pause right here and pray. Uh, Father God, we pray right now that these words, this very gospel of life that Paul is talking about here and is wanting to help massage into us, we, we pray that it would set us free. We thank you for the, for the identity that you've given us, Christ. And we thank you that our attempts to try to obey the law could never, ever make us right with you. So we thank you for that work that Christ has done for us. And so today for us, answer that question, who am I? Who am I? And who are you who lives within me? Answer that for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So many of us are in Bible studies, either with a group like at our house on Wednesday nights or even a personal Bible study that you are Uh, taking on and basically trying to meet with Christ each day and spend time with God in the scriptures. That's what that relationship looks like in part. Uh, But a couple of really good Bible study type questions as you read through a passage and read through a text as a way of reminder, I would say, is as you're reading through that, ask the simple question, who are you, God? God? Who are you as I'm reading through this passage? What attributes about yourself are you wanting to reveal to me through these scriptures? How might I know you better by looking at this passage? And the second question that's so great for us to ask is, who am I? Who am I? Not who do I want others to think I am. Not who, when I look in the mirror, do I want to be. But who am I? God, according to you and according to your word. And so that's our launching point here, verse 20. Let's just start our focus right here, verse 20 today. Hear these words My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself. For me. Okay, the summary of everything I'm trying to say today is printed right here in the worship bulletin today. And it's the new tattoo that all of us seriously ought to get. Uh, it's printed right there, and it basically says, uh, Christ in you, you in Christ. That's exactly uh, what is, is being um, explained here by uh, 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 not only Paul, but the entire Bible. Now, you may already know this, but the word Christian that we use is uh, used in the Bible about three times. But this phrase, in Christ, and Christ in you, is close to 200 times. That tells us a little something. We can keep using the word Christian. We can keep using the word follower of Christ. But I do believe there's some incredible specificity here about what it means that Christ is in you and that you are in Christ. And what's so significant about that is becoming a Christian is is not coming to believe certain things about God, who remains outside of you somewhere, like a theory or a concept. Being a Christian is that this God lives inside of you. Whoops. What did he just say? This God, this Jesus the creator of the universe, the God who knows you and loves you, lives inside of you. And if that doesn't get your attention, I, I couldn't do backflips up here or speak louder or get more energetic or like that's the gospel. Ring, 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 bells and whistles going off right there. Italicized, underscored, neon lights. Good news is right there, it's found throughout the scriptures. And it's all about your identity. It's Christ in you. And you in Christ. I mean, let's say that again, that being a Christian is Jesus is living inside of you. Think about that and how that affects how you might share your testimony with someone. For example, I've been asked before, Troy, what does it mean to be a Christian? Or can you explain to me how someone becomes a Christian? You've probably been asked that same question before. What if we explained it with Christ lives inside of me? <laughs> the party might stop or the music might stop if you ever tried to say such a thing, but it's that phenomenal. It's that amazing that the same creator of the universe has taken up residency inside the life of a believer that your Instagram account can't really give you more joy and happiness, your food, your sex, your money, nothing. This is the deepest part of our identity. And so we follow Christ, we believe in Christ, but it's all because of that identity that's been given to us. So Christ in you and you in Christ, this literally is like putting on a desperately needed pair of glasses and then all of a sudden seeing truth in a different way, seeing reality in a different way, and quite literally seeing yourself in a whole different way, seeing God in a different way, seeing your culture, seeing your coworkers, seeing work itself, seeing everything in a totally different way. And the identity theft comes along when we take the glasses off. We decide to have a different worldview or we have other things influencing us, and the call to me and you is to remember Remember what's being printed here, that Christ is in you, and you are in Christ. Who am I? Who am I? We ask. Verse 20 answers, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Again, Paul is very succinctly and powerfully both writing, preaching, teaching here that this new identity is of God's doing. You did, and you can look back in verse 16. There's nothing that you did to get this new identity. And a lot of people have a lot of problems with that regarding God. And it's called grace. Once again, gospel. God is the one who has given you a new identity. Um, He's saying here that his death um, was your death. Basically, uh, because of our sin and because of um, God being holy, again, this is a, an incredible s- like summary here, but Christ is saying that he 's going to die a death that I deserve to die. so when Christ looks at you and sees you he, he, he says that 's my son, that 's my daughter. I was crucified for that person, and that 's why christ can or, or Paul can say that I've been crucified with Christ. And you and I, the skeptic, we say, well, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I wasn't crucified with Christ in that way. Um, And what is being communicated here to us is Christ is saying, even though that person right there is a sinner, I'm united to him and her. They are mine. They are my prized possession. Their identity is in me, and my identity is is in you, the Father, but also in them. This union is is all about our citizenship to the king. You know, American citizens or or, or wherever we find our citizenship, San Franciscan or, or sort of wherever, go deeper than that, please. Your identity is in Christ. Your citizenship is to the king. No one can take that away from you. No one can upgrade on that. Who am I? Who am I, you ask? Paul answers again, I no longer live. That's who I am. I no longer live, but Christ lives in you. And this is amazing because this part of the gospel teaches you that Christ lived a life that I should have lived. A second ago, we said Christ died a death that I should have lived and was sacrificed for me to be an atoning sacrifice for my sins and the sins of the world, now Paul is saying that he's already lived a life for me. Don't don't let that one just go right over your heads here. That, that, That is the truth that Christ is right with God. And because of Christ's righteous life, we have been made right with God. There's no anxiety in my relationship with God. There's no trying to impress God. Because Christ has lived a life for me. You know what that means is that you're never alone. Many of us, and I've had conversations with you and other people here in the city and different parts of the world, we feel lonely. Oh my gosh, we feel lonely. We we allow our identity to be shaped on. I feel lonely. I must not have any friends. I must not be attractive. I must not be... Because Christ is in you, and you are in Christ, you're never alone. I'm never alone. I'll never be alone. This is intimate. This is personal. This is a close relationship that seals my unity with Jesus. And I, and I can't imagine, we can't imagine how, how deep this connection really goes. Paul tries to explain this deep union with Christ, and he says it's like a metamorphosis. He's speaking to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. If you've read that, if you've memorized that, it says that that person, like the one that Jesus lives inside, they're a new creation. Something has happened to that person. They didn't do a fixer-up plan. They didn't do a self-help thing. They didn't carve out some character for themselves. Jesus came inside of them and began to live his life inside of them. Therefore, they're a new creation. Old things are gone, new things have come, and will continue to come for that person. Wow. Christ brings new management. And I've been thinking about this one some, reflecting some this week about this new management that Christ brings as he comes into the life of a believer. And not just one time, but again and again and again, and continues to reside with you believer Paul again writing to the church in Corinth 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you wait what did he just say he just said the Holy Spirit is within you he just said that the Holy Spirit has made a temple inside of you whom you have received from God you are not your own wow I belong. I have a sense of identity. I'm attached to the one who made me. Talk about purpose. I mean, we throw these words around like purpose and destiny and be on point and all, all of that for you as a believer is connected to who you are in Christ. Have any of you ever read the little booklet or essay called My Heart, Christ's Home? My Heart, Christ's Home an old classic, Uh, Robert Munger is his name, and basically in this little essay, you you can Google it, it's amazing, he likens the human heart of the um, Christ follower as a home, and basically that person, me, you, whomever, is inviting Christ to come in the new home, almost like an open house we were giving to Jesus, and we start taking Jesus around to these different rooms, the closet, maybe where some things are hidden, the rec room where we have a portion of our lives stored there, the living room where certain things happen there. And essentially, we get all the way around to all the rooms. And the writer essentially says this, that Christ then looks at us with deep love and affection for us, not to judge us or to harm us or to steal from us or to be a bully, but basically asks us, are we ready to transfer the title of the ownership of the house? Christ? That's a poignant question. That's about lordship. It's about kingship. It's about, I belong to Christ. Christ has ownership over me. Christ knows his best for me. That's what it means for Christ to be inside of me and the Holy Spirit to live inside of me. C.S. Lewis quote, he, he basically talks about the same thing, and I'll quote him here. He says, imagine yourself as a living house, each of you. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right, and the, he's stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably, and does not seem and it does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. That's powerful. It's beautiful. Is true. Christ in you, you in Christ. Who am I? Paul answers it again, verse twenty. I live in this earthly body, and you know personally. I love how he mentions our earthly body. That the becoming a Christian isn't that like all of a sudden we get super spiritual and we get wings put on our back and we just like float out there to like spiritual never never land. No, no. We have jobs. We have careers. We have hobbies. We have relationships. We eat, we age. Um, I love how earthy the Bible really is. It's authenticity, and, and Paul is no different here. I live in this earthly body. He's saying the Christian life is now. That you experience Christ now. It's not whenever you die and like go to heaven somewhere and like, oh, now I'm filled with joy. It's now, Christ is saying. And Paul is saying, in this earthly body means Daily life. It's the mundane things that's going to happen this week for you and for me. That's what it looks like to walk with Christ and this gospel of identity to be shaped in your life. Is it's the, it's the life. And similar to, to all humanity, Paul um, is shaped by the physical and social things, like career and family and uh, deadlines you have this week coming up. God cares about all of those things. Those things matter. Those things are real. And what is the difference that being a, a, a Christian makes? Here's the difference all of those aforementioned things, such as career, family, food, sex, identity, money, those, don't, those things don't become our identity. And if those things ever try to become your identity, or you allow those things to become your identity, Watch how anxious you become. Watch how angry you become. Watch how jealous and how lust takes over your life. That's an identity theft when that begins to slip in on you and on me. So our prayer in that moment, this week, when you and I, sadly, embarrassingly, begin to forget our identity. The prayer is, Lord Jesus, keep me from looking to all the things around me to get my identity. Keep me from looking to the sales manager or the boss or the person in the mirror that's putting pressure on myself. Help me look to you, Christ. And help me live in that reality of how you think about me. Who am I? Who am I? Paul answers again. I love it. I live by trusting in the Son of God. Are you reading verse 20? I mean, he's telling us. I live by faith and by trusting in the Son of God. Being a Christian isn't some experience we had one day a long time ago in a church somewhere where I believed, and then I put God on a shelf somewhere. It's a living relationship. Paul is explaining it here. It's by trusting in the Son of God. An example would be uh, lust. I'm just going to use this one as an example. And lust can mean like se- sexually wanting uh, another person. Where, you know, whether it be male or female or whoever you are, it's not just males or not just females. It, it's 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 both a reality, an emotion, and a desire of human beings to lust. It means to covet, to want, to feel like you can't live without that. And it doesn't just mean sexually. <laughs> you can lust after a car. You can lust after someone's job. You can lust after someone's stability. Um, But since Christ lives inside of you, it's now... And think about this with me. Since Christ lives inside of you, it's now Christ's eyes that I'm looking through. Think about that. He just said that he's come to make his temple inside of me. I'm looking through the eyes of Christ as I look at career, job, job a person, these things. This is incredible how this shapes the Christian and changes us. We don't think this way a lot of the times. Or another example, being controlled by money. All of us have been prone to this. i got to go after it. It doesn't grow on trees, my dad used to say. I have to go generate it. I have to go produce it. And yet, if we're not careful, it can shackle us. It can become something that we're enslaved to. And idolatry is just that subtle. But since Christ lives inside the Christian, it's Christ who is our treasure. It's not, don't think about your retirement. It's not, don't pay your bills and be responsible or generate some capital. It's, Christ is my treasure. Christ is my identity. I am rich in Christ. I am wealthy because I'm an heir of God. This changes how we think about money. Or another example would be selfishness. Selfishness. And sometimes we're very slick and sly. Uh, We can even be loving someone or look like we're loving someone, but really it, it could just be selfishness. Loving them because I, I need to feel loved or I need to be given applause in the way that I'm loving them. Search for yourself, whatever the selfishness might be for you, but since Christ lives inside the Christian, he allows you and me to genuinely love someone and not be expecting something back. It's to give it away in the same way that Christ continually perpetually is giving to you and as you're tapped into that source because he lives inside of you there's an ongoing resource that i have not a thing like oh i got to be loving today oh, i try real hard because you know i'm not that's not really my personality Christ lives inside of you and wants to love others through you who am i Who am I? Paul answers it again, verse 20 here. Jesus loved me. That's who I am. Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. What if you were interviewed and somebody said, who are you? And you said, well, Galatians 2.20 says, um, Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. That's what Paul is doing. Notice here that even though the words I and me appear about seven times in this verse, the celebration is not how much love I have for Christ and how much love I have for God. Look at the text. Look at the text, Christian, Christ follower. It says, Christ loved me. Christ gave himself for me. The Christian is always in response to Christ's love, giving himself to you. Uh, the, the, the song, uh, this, this morning I was, was in my car and if you passed me, you, you saw me just belting out this song in my car, um, Reckless Love, um, I love this song. And as I was belting it out and, and singing this song, of course I was imagining myself sounding like Juan, our worship leader. Um, and, and, and it's okay if we do that, right? It's, hopefully I'm not in sin right now. Uh, but I was belting out this song, and uh, I, I got home uh, this morning and, and just printed out some of the lyrics of this, and I just want to repeat some of these, these lyrics. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you is, is the text says, Christ loved me. Christ gave himself for me. I need to wake up. I need to hear that. I need to have my identity shaped by that again and again and again. I need to run back to that every day. This song, Reckless, Reckless Love, says, Before I spoke a word, God, you were singing over me. See, it's not even how, much, how loud and charismatic what, what, I can be for God. It's, God, you knew me. You, you were singing over me before I even knew you. He goes on to sing, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Christ in you, you in Christ, that's the deepest core of your identity. We have different hobbies, we have different personalities, we have different ethnicities, we have different social classes. We have different preferences. We have different clubs and friends and yada, yada, yada. The deepest part, like the real you, is who God sees in you. Let me remind you of a few of these phrases mentioned elsewhere in Scripture about what God thinks and what Christ sees as he looks at you. That you're an heir of God. You're a son You're a daughter. You're completely accepted. You're perfectly loved. You're, and and this one just makes me weep, you are totally forgiven. You are called by God. You are fully known. You are chosen by God. You are blameless. You are free from accusation. You are made complete in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the gospel. This is the gospel of identity. So we have to start with union with Christ and let everything else about our identities flow from that. Let that be our starting place and our ending place and everything in between be coupled with my union with Christ. In conclusion, only this gospel can protect us from identity theft. Let me read a few verses from Paul elsewhere in Scripture. And as I read this, I want you to, maybe you close your eyes, maybe you bow down, maybe you lift your hands, maybe you just open up your heart and allow your heart truly to become Christ's home. Hear these words of Paul in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 11. He says, Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with Christ through baptism into his death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, therefore, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray that. Lord, we... we are ready to transfer the title of our homes to you. We we are so ready to, to, to give ourselves to you. We are so incompetent to be our own master, to be our own king, to be our own leader. So Lord, we thank you that our destiny, our purpose, and our identity is not all about us and our plans that we may have for ourselves. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And we thank you that you, Christ, would be so kind and so generous to to die for us, to live a perfect life for us, and to take up residency inside of us. Shape us, we pray. Change us because of this gospel of identity that we belong to you. We are yours And we pray all of this saying, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, praying in your name, amen.